0: Hi, this is Jack, and you're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Megan Reynolds, who is an investor at Crane, uh, who have invested in companies like GetPod, Encore, and Novu. Thank you very much for joining us, Megan.
1: Thank you for having me, Jack.
0: And we're in the first time we're actually live. Woo. Sitting in the same studio, which is cool.
1: Very excited to be here. The inaugural studio.
0: Could you tell us a little bit about Crane? And then the question on everyone's lips is, what's going on right now?
1: (laughs) It's a bit mad at the moment. So Crane, we're an enterprise software focused seed fund. We are based in London, but we're investing across Europe. We're investing in enterprise software, but even more specifically, we're investing in enterprise infrastructure. And actually, as you said, what I do is mostly... Open source and developer tooling. The other core focus of Crane is also go to market. We exist to help product led technical founders build the foundations of the go to market from seed to series A. And so we have a few amazing people on our team that help us do that. Rav, for example, built customer success at Slack, before then Zendesk, before then Yammer, has basically been building the function before it was a function. And given that we're an early stage fund, in this market right now, it has been a little bit chaotic. The markets crashed, the public markets crashed. And although private markets are relatively sheltered from that, it still has a, a compounding effect. When companies aren't able to IPO, that really has a trickle down. However, because we're investing in like infrastructure technology predominantly and like enterprise infrastructure technology, usually that technology is like critical path infrastructure. And so for those companies, they are relatively sheltered from the public markets in a downturn, like being struggling in a downturn. I think companies that are kind of slightly easier to rip out have a more direct impact when budgets are slashed, teams are let go. There's a very direct correlation between that and companies struggling. Uh, Whereas a lot of the stuff that we're investing in, that I'm investing in, it's open source. It's adopted by developers and it becomes a critical piece of infrastructure within that company's software stack. It's it's really hard to rip that out when budgets get tight. It's usually the last thing to go. And so actually what we're seeing right now, although markets are in chaos, those companies are still doing well. And actually the ones with an open source model are, are arguably doing even better because it means companies it's a little bit less friction for companies to adopt those technologies. So yeah, it's a it's a weird time, but we feel like we're in a relatively good place right now.
0: Is there something that companies can do to make themselves more part of that critical path or is it something that's kind of decided when you start the business?
1: I think so. And this is this is something that when we first met, we were talking a lot about Really, it's the companies that will do really well here are the companies that deeply understand the customer problem that they're solving. And so making sure that the use cases they're targeting and the problems that they're solving with their technology are number one, two, three for the specific customer or user. So if that user is a developer or if that customer is a developer, it's like, okay, actually, is this a top five priority for this developer in their workflow And if it's anything less than that, maybe you're focusing on the wrong user or maybe you're focusing on the wrong customer. And so it's like being ruthless with like finding, we call it like the hair on fire problem. Whose hair is on fire right now to the point where you could give them like a brick, like your product as a a brick. And because their hair was on fire, they would like hit the the brick to put that fire out. This is like a YC thing. But it's really, it's a really effective way of like, okay, is this really solving a pain point for my customer? Because those those are the mission critical things. Those are the things that become critical path eventually. And I think companies that haven't found that and haven't um, discovered that with their customers will have a really hard time.
0: Related to that, what are the kind of things that you see founders struggling with in the DevTools
1: space? I think it's, kind of a, it's very tied to that. Lots of developer-first companies have an allergy to sales and marketing. And I'm sure you see this a lot and you've probably experienced this. There's, the, there's this kind of sentiment of, oh, you don't sell to developers or you don't market to developers. And I've heard it from founders often Especially more technical founders, where they're like, "Oh no, you can't sell this." Developers hate being sold to, and I and I agree. Like I understand what, what they're saying. Like no one likes to be sold to, but actually, the core. The core of sales is just listening to customers, like understanding the value you're driving, and then scaling how you listen to customers and understand their problems and solve them. I think there's like a misunderstanding of what sales means and similarly in marketing or especially with marketing, one of the things I see a lot of founders not doing or ignoring is not having like a really deep understanding of the landscape that they sit in, especially with developer tooling right now because the landscape is messy and there's a lot of companies out there. And if you don't deeply understand Where your product sits in that landscape, who else is sitting alongside you in that landscape, how those products are being used. It's really hard to talk about your product in a way that people will instantly understand. And that's the core thing, right? It's like, how do you educate people? How do you help them understand the value that you'll deliver for them quickly? If you don't understand the landscape, and I've heard this a lot from founders, they're like... I don't need to worry about them. Like, my product's amazing. It'll sell itself. Like, people will just get it because it's really good. But actually, if you can't talk about that in a compelling way, then people people won't get to that point, point of realization or developers won't get to that point of realization quickly enough. Mm.
0: And I, it seems similar to what Superbase experienced where they were selling themselves as like real-time stuff on top of postgres and then as soon as they started saying
1: open source firebase yeah
0: (laughs) just took off
1: so true it's just it's catchy right you're just like and when you as developer get to that like buying decision or user decision of like oh am i going to use firebase because you just it's on your mind and someone's like oh there's open source firebase so quickly and easily like how that will filter through
0: yeah and that's definitely like a hair on fire problem that people have experienced that firebase is like struggles to scale, gets really expensive, like you're really locked in.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a perfect example.
0: Now is like a kind of wild time for DevTools, as we've briefly mentioned, for everyone. What are the good founders doing, the good companies doing that others maybe could learn from?
1: So for the kind of companies that we're investing in within developer tooling, so like infrastructure software, for those companies although they might start open source or might start um, with the developer up motion, in the end, most of those companies are enterprise software companies. Like they will need to transition to an enterprise sales motion. And so timing is very important with that. I think companies that have tried to do that too soon and have tried to go top down, like sell top down too soon, it's caused problems with the product, it's caused problems with the community. And so I think one of the things that some of the best developer tooling companies do really well is manage that transition. So manage that transition from focusing on the community, building an amazing product that both individual developers and teams also love. and But then using the learnings from that community, using the feedback that they've got from having that love to then transition into enterprise. So I'll use an example to make that more concrete. Gitpod. Uh, who we invested in a couple of years back, they had built the best product for kind of building developer environments in the cloud. And their entire focus for the first few years of that company was making sure their product was the best in the market and really serving customers to the point when we invested we spoke to their community and they were like, I will never go back. Like, this is the most amazing product. Like, they just tapped into something that a very specific group of developers loved. And they've built that really successfully. And then over the last year or so, they started getting interest from larger companies uh, with some really specific use cases for how they would use Gitpod internally for their teams. And actually the way that Gitpod have transitioned the love of the community into building like champions within enterprise has been really successful. They have a, they have a specific case study that maybe we can link one of their enterprise customers, Factorial, which is an HR software company, and the I think he's like the director of de- developer experience, is just the biggest fan of Gitpod, and it's amazing to see because he has a funny story about him playing playing a gig with his band, and he loves Gitpod so much internally within Factorial that his team like came to this gig with like Gitpod posters and like kind of <laughs> lifted up these like Gitpod signs at his gig. It's just. I, the way that they've like built their community and the team that manages that community they just like engender this this love and also the power of the product being so effective that it's just it's just a great story for how you can like build ad- advocacy even in large companies and like rather than alienating the community they're actually like bringing that community into enterprise sales which is so effective
0: that's such a powerful point i think there's like the misconception big in that like a lot of what you're doing in sales at enterprise level is like just finding the people internally helping them sell but then when you've got someone who actually is selling it internally knows knows how things work it's essential pretty much
1: so powerful so so powerful and i think it's like the core message is basically for founders or for companies that are very good at building communities it actually makes you very good at doing enterprise sales, and not in a shoving your product on people yeah. kind of sales way, but in a really authentic, genuine, creating value for people in an organisation. And those are the kind of companies that we love to invest in at Crane, and that I kind of founders that we love to invest in at Crane, and it's, it's making that transition.
0: Could you give us an example of a company that you invested in and why you invested then in them?
1: Our latest investment at Crane. Is a company based in Israel called Novu. Novu is building open source notification infrastructure software. There's a few reasons we invested in this, this company. The main reason is the team, they're exceptional, they've built companies before. But what really captured us about this investment is that as a team, they had gone through the pain of building notification software or like notification infrastructure at every company that they'd built and they were building it not only again and again when they built a new company company or a new application but they were also when those companies scaled having to rebuild it and so it's the super manual pretty boring <laughs> development work and they realized they were just doing the same things and so the core of novu was really no one should have to build these systems over and over again. It's, it's tedious and that's not what developers love to do when they're building applications. And so they build it as an open source project. We invested shortly after they'd built the open source project to help them then build out the company. And essentially what they're doing is bringing the power of a notification system from a company like Slack or Microsoft, and they're giving that to any developer from scratch. So you don't have to build it again from the earliest days. The other core thing that captured us was actually there are a few companies building a similar notifi- a similar kind of notification product, software product, but focusing on product teams. So the like general consensus until this point has been, actually notifications are a product problem and that's for product managers to figure out, okay, how are users interacting with our software. Actually what Novi saw was, actually this is an engineering problem because they're the ones that are building the system And actually with the rise of companies like Twilio, that infrastructure is becoming much more complex, especially with Twilio and more channels. And so they were like, maybe this is an engineering problem, it's for us. And they kind of put a few posts out and some content out. And the reaction to that content was overwhelming from developers going, yes, like this is actually a big problem for me and I'm the one at the end that is responsible for this. So that was like, and so therefore going open source, making it easy to adopt, building the community around that has been really successful for them.
0: There's a company, you probably know them, I forget the name, but they're like kind of an open source mix panel. Mm. I think they can, they had the same logic where it was like developers are the ones that always have to play around with this, always get asked to implement everything. But this whole product is built for product managers. And so they're just like building much more like developer thoughtful for, for product that's open source, makes it easier to go into enterprise, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. So
1: yeah, and this is really... One of my core like investment theses, and I'm I'm gonna make a shout out here. I would love to see more companies in this space. That's exactly what I want to invest in: uh, infrastructure software companies targeting developers, enabling developers to build applications more easily, uh, especially where current approaches are focused on product or maybe sales and marketing. Uh, that's yeah, big thesis. Interesting. So. Find Megan on Twitter and, uh, <laughs> send me a Hit me up, <laughs> hit me up. Yes, please.
0: Yep, thanks so much for joining, Megan. Uh, it was really awesome speaking. And where can people learn more about you and about Crane?
1: So about Crane, you can find us at crane.vc. And for me, the easiest way to follow is uh, on Twitter, at Megan can. I'm sure we can share it.
0: Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining and we'll see you again soon.